Uh, so my next guest is Mr. Lester Leveness, who was a very uh, beloved and favorite teacher in my elementary school, Congers Elementary School, um, <clears throat> which I graduated from in like 1982. Uh, so that was a while ago. And um, I didn't actually have Mr. Levin S. Uh, as a regular teacher, but I did have him as a reading teacher. And uh, obviously still made a great impression on uh, everyone that uh, he taught in any way. And he's still on Facebook. And he is uh, probably pushing 100. We're not exactly positive, but we will hopefully find out soon enough when I Skype with him. Uh, and let's see, we're gonna try doing that right now. And we'll see what happens. It's ringing. Hopefully he has remembered. Oh, this no. It's crazy. Hello, Mr. Levinus. Correct. You are on the air. Welcome to the Audra Show. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to come here so that you could see this background. I don't know if you can. Oh. Can I get some? Uh, can oh, you see this? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that the Hudson River? Yes. Beautiful. All right. My listeners won't be able to see it, but I, but it's beautiful. I can attest. Yes, here I am inside as soon as I find out how to do this thing. All right. What's up? Well, we are, you're on the air. You're on the Audra Show. Welcome. And thank I'm you. Delighted to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're delighted to have you. I was just uh, telling everyone how... You were a much beloved and um, favorite teacher of everyone who ever went through Congress Elementary School. Um, I, I never even had you as a regular teacher. I had you for reading, and um, I, still, I still loved you. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Well, I'm happy to be here, Ardra. <laughs> you want to talk about school or what? Uh, yeah, let's talk about some school. Um, what, what do you want to talk about? Should we talk about the dandelion contest? <laughs> <laughs> or you want to talk about your teaching career? Yes, I guess that would be appropriate. Um, I arrived in 1954. In Congress? And for the subsequent 33 years, I never took a sick day, nor was I ever tardy. Ever? Ever. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And it started out in a wooden building with which you're not familiar at all. <laughs> no. You walk in the front long walk to the school. It was on the right-hand side. Okay. It was built in early 20th century. Didn't have any fire escapes. Really? It had asbestos shingles, oiled floors, <laughs> all, only wooden stairs inside. <laughs> and that's where you started teaching in Congress? Yes. Three years, yeah. And then North opened up, and the high school moved out to um, there, and the elementary school moved into the building, brick building. Oh, okay. And 
and the other one was demolished. Oh, I didn't even realize that that it was on the same grounds. I'm, as it was I'm sure not, not many people have. So, how many students did you have in that little uh, schoolhouse? I, oh, yeah. oh no! At that, at that point, the classes were reasonably sized, even at that point. But prior to that, it was a very small school. Yeah. And the classroom, which you occupied when you came in, yeah. Um, was actually two high school rooms. That tells you how small the community was. Yeah. And there were two doors. It was kind of amusing for little kids to coming on an errand for note signing, right? They'd knock on the front door, and I'd respond, and then they'd knock on the back door, and I'd respond there, <laughs> because there were two doors for the two classrooms, yeah. Right. And so... Um, Perhaps the most significant thing of late is that um, I would not allow any retirement observance, such as dinner or anything like that. Oh, really? And so, yeah, really. Why? So the community took it because I don't want to. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. The community took its revenge by placing a plaque and dedicating the classroom to Lester Levin. As they did that after I was gone. Right. And I just retrieved the plaque because I don't know if, I don't think you probably know this, but the school is no more an elementary school. Yeah, I heard it's, about that a little bit. Yeah. What, is, what did they, what happened? Uh, well, actually, what precipitated it was um, there was a crack in the south wall where the gym is. Okay. And they had patched it up, and then it had emerged too soon. And so they had engineers come in and evaluate it, and it was declared unsafe. And so the community got very upset, right. got to the board, got a bond passed, as a matter of fact, because the, the school is very precious to Congress. Yeah. And the bond was passed, and then they closed the school anyway on the grounds of declining enrollment. Oh. And they go to a child care center or adult learning center, something of that nature. So, but the poor children is going to have, they're going to be separated around, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of feeling about that. Yeah. So, oh, that's unusual. So, I mean, are there just less families in Congress or something, I guess, if there's declining Pure. enrollment? Yes, the, yeah, declining enrollment is the answer. Hmm. And I, I'm sure that may be true all over the district. Because when I arrived, it appeared that we almost built a, a, a school a year. You know, yeah. the population grew so rapidly. Right. You know. And the, con the constitution of the class was half of my class, my first class, had never been to New York City. Oh, really? At the end, yes, at the end, the other... And we were um, only about 30 miles from New York City. Yeah, but the socioeconomic thing was, at the end of my career, half of my class came from divorced parents. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes. And where the children were so happy to get turkey for Thanksgiving, at the end they were demanding chocolate mousse. So it's changed. It's changed dramatically <laughs> in a year. Is the car going to be a Mercedes or a BMW? Oh, wow. That's how things changed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Congress wasn't really too much like that when I was there growing up. 
So mm-hmm. how did you uh, what how did you decide to get into teaching? What made you go into teaching in the first place? Wow, that's a long story. Oh. I guess the ninth grade when I was told I didn't have the mental ability to go to an academic high school. What? Yes. And so where I learned you, how to talk. Where did you grow up? Yonkers. Oh, okay. So right over the river. I was always on the river, yes. And consequently, uh, I went to a commercial school where I learned to type. And that led me to a different career in the Navy. And when I got out of the Navy, I went back to my commercial high school and I just bumped into a, a guidance teacher who wasn't my guidance teacher. And she said, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I only had a four-year sequences in social studies in English. I had no math no language, no science. And so I said, perhaps I'll be an English teacher and improve usage. Yeah. She took me under her wing, and I had to get academic credits. And so there was a school for rich kids across the street, and they were making money on veterans such as I, right? Yeah. And I went there, and, um, well, it developed that I did have some academic ability and I emerged as a valedictorian of that group. Oh, and apparently the language did. aspect, the language aspect was important. And so when I got to, oh, she also made application for me because I knew nothing. None of my family had ever been to college, and okay. consequently, um, I knew nothing about it. So she made application at Albany College for Teachers, which you're familiar. Okay. Near your school, New York College, yes. and. Upstate New York. Yes. I went up as an English major, but it developed that uh, language was so easy for me. (laughs) (laughs) Spanish major, right? Oh, okay. And I emerged as a magna cum laude, and so I stayed for a master's degree in Spanish. Wow. And a couple of my professors wanted me to go to their respective universities for a doctorate. Okay. One wanted me to go to Chicago, one wanted me to go to Wisconsin, but I had a little sweetie back here, so I wasn't interested in going there, right? <laughs> right. So we both graduated with a bachelor's in 51, and I was having such fun, and I had GI Bill left over, so I, I wasn't going to move from there. That's why I took the master's degree, right? Right. And she went to work at Highland Falls, which is up the river. Yeah. And... Um, I got the master's degree and went back to Yonkers and was soon becoming a bum, right? A bum after getting your master's? Yes, yes. I wasn't interested in doing that. She would come down from Highland Falls to Alpine, New Jersey. Yeah. I'd take a ferry from Yonkers to Alpine, New Jersey. Okay. And we'd hike the Palisades. Oh, nice. And she came upon an article which said if we went to summer school for six weeks, we could be elementary teachers. Wow. wow. Both of us, enormously. That was really something for us. So we went to Schenectady, okay. where Oneonta had a branch for this purpose. Wow. And in August, we said we were having a good time, too. We better send, we better send letters out to places. And so we led us to Westchester and Rockland. And... Um, 
I don't know if we got only two responses. I don't really remember. <laughs> but they were both from Rockland, right? Okay. So we took our little Austin car from Schenectady, and I got off in Congers, <laughs> and she went on Manuet. Okay. And both got hired. Wow. And I in Congress and she in Nanuet. She's a kindergarten teacher, a great kindergarten teacher. Yeah. And I, as a fifth grade teacher, never got promoted and never got demoted. <laughs> Always great. A great fifth grade teacher. Yes. Well, that's what happened. And um, that's how come I got there. Right. And I could imagine having done anything, anything remotely uh Rewarding <laughs> teaching. What I in that particular place, I was just made for that situation. I don't know why, but right. that's how it developed. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. You were you were like an institution at uh, Congress Elementary School, and uh, as I mentioned, you know, I mean, I don't think there's anyone who's gone through Congress Elementary School in the years you were there that doesn't remember you <laughs> extremely fondly. Yeah. Well. In my first class, there was a sweet little bird, very shy young lady. Her name was Marlene Rabbiton. Okay. This is an incredible story. Um, I inquired about her. I had not seen her after sixth grade in the school, that's all. I inquired after years of her mother, and her mother said, well, Marlene is living in Basel, Switzerland. Okay. All right. That, filed that away. <laughs> I'm throwing horseshoes down the park in Nyack, and this man is next to me, and I invite people if they want to try to throw or if they want to play. Right. He wanted to play. And he announced himself as a Rockland native, born in Nyack Hospital. And so he started naming names, and I started naming names. And Marlene's last name was Rabbiton. Okay. And I said his name. And this man said... Her sister married my brother. <laughs> and their name is Herring, and they live in Nanuet. Oh, wow. wow, this is many years later. Right. And so I got home and, and immediately went to the telephone book and found Herring, yay, in <laughs> Nanuet. Called the number, and I said, is this Regina? She said, yes. I said, well, this is Marlene's oldest living lover. <laughs> 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 got her attention. And then I said my name, and she knew my name, of course. And she gave me Marlene's address in Switzerland. Oh, wow. So I wrote to Marlene. Yeah. And I get an answer. Now, oftentimes children may have had unpleasant experiences, and they don't want to revisit them. Right. And I thought that was possible. There was something there, I know. So I called Regina and said, Regina, Marlene hasn't answered my letter. She said, well, she likes to get mail, but she doesn't like to write. Well, apparently Regina got on her case because I soon got a four-page letter from Marlene. Oh, wow. Right? What do you suppose ensued? <laughs> After Clarkstown North, Marlene went to college. Where do you suppose she went to college? Albany State Teachers College. Oh, wow. Where I've gone to college. Right. What do you suppose she majored in? Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> And so she was living now in a place called Priyi, outside of Lausanne. And she was, using, she was doing commercial teaching of language, you know, to business people. Oh, okay. Right. Teaching English to, um, you know, people who were in business. Right. And that was her career. And she now lives there. She had two children. She's a grandmother. 
All right, so I'm walking up 4th Avenue in Nyack, and there are two ladies whom I have just a wave hello acquaintance. And one of them says, hey, Lester, your ears must have been ringing over the weekend. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I was garden sitting. You know, they have garden visitation in Nyack. People go to visit gardens. And she was baby garden sitting. And there was a lady sitting on the bench. And this lady is gregarious. And so she went over and sat with her. And they started a conversation. And she said um, that she lived on 4th Avenue. And the lady on the bench said, well, she had a teacher who lived on Gedney Street in Nyack. And when I heard that, and she said she was from Switzerland, it had to be Marlene. Right. So I called Regina and said, where's Marlene? And she said she's with her brother. And she gave me the brother's number. And we arranged to meet. Wow. And we had breakfast in the morning. Listen to this. It was the third week of June. Okay. 2005. Exactly 50 years after she had left my class. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And we're in communication still. We write. Yeah. I have no children from Tel Aviv. I have children who live in Tel Aviv all the way to South Korea. Oh, really? From Congress? As a result of this. Yes. Children I had in my class. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And are you in in touch with a lot of your ex-students? Yeah. Matter of fact, there was a little reunion of uh, Congress Elementary school, 1976. At, oh, um, yeah. I saw that on Facebook. Jim Trainer. Right. I don't know when you got, got out. Uh, I got out in, I think, 82 or 83. Congress Elementary, yeah. 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 Well, I think it was 82. Um, then there's going to be another one, July 26th, okay. kind of a neighborhood place. And I'm going to see a couple of students I really, really treasure (laughs) so it's it's the actually what happens is um it's like getting paid you know i'm still getting paid you know on broadway a a man makes a u-turn and comes and says to his child this is my fifth grade (laughs) 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 that's so wonderful yeah yeah, I mean, the, the dividends are, are still paying off after all these years with the great yeah. connections you've made, I'm sure. sure. So how did the uh, the dandelion contest uh, get started? How did that come about? Oh, that was a... That's a very excellent question, Audra. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> what happened was the United States was going to enter the 19th century, right? <laughs> right. We were going to do it. We were. We really were. We were headed in that direction, right? <laughs> right. By adopting the metric system, <laughs> which we never made. Oh, we were but actually. That was the whole point to... of the dandelion contest, right? The dandelion, all the dandelions were measured in centimeters. Uh. Because I ten year old, the superiority of the metric system compared to our traditional system, you know, I mean, yeah. there's no facility is incomparable. 16 ounces to a pound, you know, all of the nonsense. Yeah, I still don't know all those things. That ended with, that ended with the, the president from California. I won't talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He ended it sufficiently. But uh, the contest itself was uh, just an incredible, as I say, 
it just grew for, for, for about yeah. 12 years until I retired. Just was a, an accident, but it was, uh, just grew. And, and people, adults like you, if they see a long dandelion, I, they tell me that I, I always think of that contest. Yeah, well, still to this day. There was something wonderful about it because um, we put signs up, you know, the dandelion contest, uh, right. enter as often as you want, one grand prize, um, and it ends uh, somewhere at the end of May would be the greatest growing point, right? Yeah. It would be and, like a frenzy. Everybody would be into it. Like the whole well, town was like just trying, yeah, you know, when you're outside it, playing, everybody was looking for them the yeah, longest But it's so wonderful because everybody's name was entered on a big chart yeah. outside my room, you know, yeah. as long as you... You could enter as often as you wish. If the new entry was larger than the other one, right. you were posted. And every child's name would be entered with a measure in centimeters and their class. And yeah. it goes on and on until, let's say, May 25th, 9 a.m. Right. And we'd have a countdown in the class. And then the winner would be decided. <laughs> and the one grand prize was um, a wildflower handbook. A wildflower handbook, okay. you know. Yeah, and then the ice cream store came to Congress oh, down wow. by the railroad station. Yeah, then the became the Wildflower Handbook and whatever you wanted at the ice cream store. <laughs> the ice cream store that was huge. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and the largest and this is an incredible statistic too, a hundred and nine centimeters. Wow. Wow. That's long. That's. 109 centimeters, <laughs> like trying to convert that to inches in my head, of oh, course, no. since Over 39 switched. inches, let's just say 30, over 39 inches. Oh, my right. God, 39 inches. That's like a yard yeah. long. That was Nicole Raquet, do you remember? I, you remember? Oh, yeah, I remember her. I was just going to ask you who was the longest. So she has the record of the longest of all time? 109 centimeters, yeah. Nicole Raquet. It's wonderful. It's incredible. As I said, there was so much in Interest, and little kids would come up with their little clutch of dandelions. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I, I was on it like on the whole time. I mean, I was like examining the backyard every day. <laughs> like a kid named Bergio, he he ran out on the day it was closing. He he come in and I'd measure it, and he'd run off again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And won, I think he was a two-time winner. Oh wow! But it, just yeah. a, just an incredible, and that was the purpose of it. Oh, wow. System. I didn't realize that that's why it had started. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's the good old why. metric system that we never adopted. Um, mm. But yeah, definitely. I would I would run back out and uh, be looking for other ones. And then you had to you know make sure that you got it. You cut it off at like as the lowest possible point. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be funny. One came in stapled. <laughs> <laughs> they stapled two together. <laughs> Yeah, just go find other stems and staples. <laughs> That's great. I and then there, there was a plant called um, goat's beard, which resembles it. It has the same kind of uh, seed head as a dandelion, but yeah. the bark, the, the stem is not uh, the tube of a dandelion. And children would get fooled with that, but that was okay. That was innocent. But the one that came in stapled. <laughs> that was fraudulent <laughs> and disqualified. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can see how that might be the case there. But it was just incredible fun. Yeah, the that, whole was, that was a great. Years was. Well, no, actually, 33 years was not all fun. 
Listen to this. Okay. <laughs> I came to the school in 1954, as I told you, right? Right. The principal arrived simultaneously, right? Yeah. We came together. And for 17 years, we worked closely. I received the highest evaluations. And as you know, I was never, never took a sick day and never was late. Right. And then one August, my electric shaver broke. Uh-oh. And I said, if they couldn't last more than 25 years, I don't want one, right? <laughs> this is 1971. And I go to school in August to get the class ready. Yeah. And this man looks at me. Says, you're going to cut that off before school, aren't you? <laughs> wow. That could have changed my whole life. Yeah. He could have transferred me peremptorily without any reason. He could have said, you know. Just for having can, a beard? Yeah. Oh yeah. He didn't have to have a reason. Wow. Right? But that was the reason. And then he came to his senses. He realized that he would have a, a difficult time if he got me out of there, you know. Right. And he came to his senses, and I still have a beard. <laughs> yeah. Still to this day. It would have changed my whole life, you know, as you can see. Yeah, I know? can imagine. I mean, I can't even imagine you without a beard, obviously. No. Yeah, but I would have, yeah, not have my Congress experience. It would have been disastrous. So what made him uh, What made him keep you around, even with your beard? I think, I, no, I think he w was aware that I had already quite a standing in the community, and yeah. it would be difficult for him there if he got rid of There would have been protests. 17 years, yeah. Right. And he would look like a fool, really, you know. But there was a time in this country when hair was a big deal. You're probably aware of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of crazy things yeah. that, uh, you know, people weren't allowed to do yeah. still to this day. Mm. Did you know, this is a sad thing, did you know the Magalettas? Yes. Yeah. Well, I had two or three of the girls. Yeah. And Donnie became... A teacher, Dawn Magaletta. Okay. She was quite an athlete. Yeah. She and uh, than me. she taught in Ohio, and she wrote a couple of wonderful um, biographies for children. Oh. Right. Really nice. Okay. And I didn't know that. She had a college student as a son, and her daughter was a, is an accomplished golfer, and uh, just in high school. But Dawn died. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. She's a very young lady. and um, But that, that's, that's the sad. other part of this life that I had, you know. Right. That, over the years, several serious wow. things have happened to uh, students. Right. And that really brought me down a lot because she was a very precious person. Yeah. Oh, yes, I didn't know Great athlete and everything else. So those are the tragedies. I do have um, numbers of them, you know. But right. all the, there's a lot of joy too, you know. I just I just got a, a a Facebook message from a young man. Well, he's a lawyer. He's a semi-retired lawyer in North Carolina. Yeah. He he told me how important I was. I I don't understand this business of you know how much influence I had. Why? But he. He has a rental cottage in North Carolina, which he offered me. I could go down there. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That, his, 
I don't know if you know that family. Schultz, Janine Schultz, Brad Schultz. Mm, I don't you, think you, so. Schultz. No, I don't think I do know that. Brent Schultz. Brent Schultz. Janine. Well, anyway, no. Janine was one of those cases. Um, what happened when children move away? They would get homesick, right? Right. And they would write to me, and I would invariably write back, right? right? As long as they wanted to continue this correspondence, I would do it, right? Right. And until they got oriented, and then they would simply it would fade off. But with Janine, his sister. It just kept going. They moved in the sixth grade to North Carolina, where the parents bought a COA campground. Okay. And she started writing, and we wrote. And she went to the University of Miami. Right. I have these addresses in my book, right? And we wrote in Miami. Then she came up to Eastman School of Music in Rochester, yeah. and we kept on writing, right? Wow. Then she moved to California and got married and was still writing, right? Yeah. And she wrote descriptions mm. of... Uh, she was there with, in one of the earthquakes. She lives in Southern California. Oh. Right? Yeah. And and then there were the aftershocks, and she just had an infant. Oh, no. And all these were in letters that she wrote to me. And she dashed right back to North Carolina, <laughs> you know, to, with her parents for a while. <laughs> right. She got a little but nervous. She's, she's back to North Carolina. I mean, she's back in there. But her brother lives in North Carolina still. And he is the one who offered me the cottage. Yeah. And the boy, the, the boy in Tel Aviv owns a business, right? And he knows that I use the library computers. Right. And I use the library computers because I don't have to worry about repairs or crashing or anything, right? Right. This is a pad. This is a pad we're using here. Oh, okay. He offered to buy me a computer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. Yeah, and you I mean, you obviously have had huge amounts of influence. I don't know why you're even questioning that. Look at the dedication that you have to your students. I haven't any idea. <laughs> you're you're uh, just a dedicated and, and, and empathetic wonderful teacher. I don't it is. I have no idea. That's what it is. <laughs> well, and you've they, you've had a very uh, adventurous life, I feel like outside of teaching as well. You were telling me uh that you, well, you went skydiving, right? My sister was telling me that. Did you go skydiving recently? That happened to a young lady, and I were walking at Hook Mountain Trail. Okay. And the young lady says, the young lady says um, I want to go skydiving, but nobody will go with me. <laughs> a lot of people have that in the back of their heads, right? Right. Yeah, well, I'll go with you. Oh, wow. Not another syllable about that. <laughs> I see a bumper sticker that says, shut up and jump, the sky's the limit, 1-800-blah-blah-blah. So I go home, call the number, yeah. get all the data, where, how much, and all of that stuff. And then I'm doing a crossword puzzle. I'm an addict to that. Okay. And it said, the blank's the limit, which was what, on the bumper sticker. Next morning, of course, I was at the field, wow. <laughs> jumping. <laughs> <laughs> the second one happened because I didn't... Uh, I couldn't absorb everything that happened in the right. first one. So I did the second one. And the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one. Oh, you got, you got hooked. Sixth one, sixth one was going to be my last. Oh, by the way, about the young lady. Yeah. After the first one, what, I always have a videographer, right? Okay. And the videographer, when I started, they give you tapes. Now you get a DVD. <laughs> and still, you get a CD now. You used to get a roll of film. Right. So I had the film developed, right? At this point, the young lady 
had moved to New York City and was working in the Metropolitan Museum. Okay. And so I wrote to her, included a still picture of my descent, right? <laughs> yeah. She wrote, how could you do that? I could never do that. <laughs> she, was, she was simply blowing smoke up at the hook, you know. <laughs> so she never even went? She never did it? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That was all nonsense. Okay, so I come down from the sixth one. Okay. And I, that's the end of it, right? That's enough. <laughs> here comes Bernadette out of the office. And Bernadette and I had a tremendous relationship right from the first bit, right? Okay. She said, Lester, Lester, I have a license. We can jump. <laughs> <laughs> so that means seven, right? right? So we made an appointment. I said, well, okay, I'm coming up. We're going to jump. I'll take you to lunch. I'll bring you back and hug you, and that'll be that. <laughs> and it's just exquisite, yeah. right? It really worked out that way. And then eight and nine happened as a result of the crossword clue again, really? right? Yes. And then 10 happened because 10, 10, 10, right? <laughs> oh, then 11 happened. Well, 11, I wanted 11, 11, 11. Right. But here, they only jumped on weekends in November, right? Wow. And consequently, I wasn't sure. But some techie found out the 11, it was on a Friday, and it was Veterans Day. Consequently, uh-huh. they the might weekend. jump. So I called, and I got some lady who didn't know me, and because I, I did 10 jumps at this field. Yeah. And the lady said she didn't know. So I called back, and I got Sarah, who knew me. And I said, are we jumping on Friday, the 11th? Yeah. She said, yes, we're jumping. Oh, nice. I said, Put me down. Okay, she called me Thursday night and said, Lester, you better call 7.30 tomorrow morning. And so I did, and there was too much wind. Ah. So, I could, so 11, 11, 11 got scrubbed. Right. But I did 11 and 10, 11, 12. <laughs> <laughs> the average had worked a, out. <laughs> 11 in before 12, 12, 12, right? Right. So that was... 12, 12, 12, that's December. There's no jumping here at all. Right. So where could I do it? Sin City beckoned me, right? Oh. Ah! So I went on and I found Sin City skydiving. Ah! Oh, wow. And I made an engagement, right? Yeah. A videographer. And okay, think of how idiotic that is, right? A car to the airport, flight, <laughs> hotel, <laughs> for five or six minutes coming down, right? Right. It's all of it backwards. Okay. <laughs> so I do get there. 12, 12, 12. I'm there. I got there the day before. The young man comes in a van to pick me up at 7.30 in the morning, which was wonderful. Yeah. So we got to this desert place, a little brick building, right, in the middle of nowhere. And then here comes one receptionist, right, and one jumper and one pilot up. Where I went was compared, it was absolutely exquisite, right? There were many, as many parachutists and a two engine, beautiful plane, right? Right. Videographer. There was no videographer. I wanted a videographer. The videographer was a camera on his wrist, GoPro, right? The whole thing was, and this plane, it was a single engine plane. I didn't think it could make it. Over here, I jumped from 13.5, right? Right. Here, this plane, I don't know if it could make 9,500 feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it did. But there was just the videographer, this guy and I, right? Yeah. In this jumpsuit, and this 
I had him take photos of the interior of the plane. <laughs> it was really a sad, the whole thing was ridiculous, except it got done. And there you hung your legs over the side of the plane and took off that way. And you came down to a desert, right? right. I mean, there was nothing there. Just compared to the landscape here, it's so beautiful. Right. You know, the mountains, the Katska Shawangunk Mountains, it is exquisite. But that was it. It got done. And that's 12, 12, 12. And that was the last one. That was it. Oh, my God. To be honest, I have um, ballooned. I have glided. I have... Um, you said something he- about... Uh, oh, go ahead. Helicoptered into Grand Canyon. Oh. I've taken have taken the Concorde back from Paris. Oh, that's right. You told me that. How was Nobody that? Nobody that, right? Yeah. So it was at 52,000 feet, right? Wow. And 1,380 feet below sea level. Oh, you know? yeah, that's right. In a so, submersible, right? Yes. What, how, how did you end up in a submersible? Well, um, somebody told me about this island called Roatan. It's off Honduras. Okay. And... Um, he just recommended it as a nice place. And so it's a, principally a diving place, right? Um, sea diving. And I, I'm not a diver, but I could snorkel. But it sounded like a great place to be. And so I went. And while I was there, there was this sign, you know, yeah. go down this in the submersible. And so I had to do that, right? And so I told you about how the water accumulated at the bottom of this submersible. Right. And, and he hadn't told us about it and sounds way down, and suddenly you think there's a leak somewhere. And oh, actually, um, condensation, you know, right. uh, oh, from the breath and perspiration. Yeah. So, so that was fun. What was the submersible? I mean, like, um, how, uh, like, what, was it just a two person thing or was it a big vessel? Two person and the pilot. And that was the whole thing. Yeah, it and wasn't how very deep big. Were you? Excuse me? How deep did you go? 1,380 feet down. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, it was interesting. But, yeah. And what imagine. else? I have, uh, oh, there, the biggest nanosecond rush one could ever have. It's the, the highest thrill ride in the world, right? Okay. You go to Vegas, and I went to Vegas just for this purpose. This, this is another time to Vegas. Okay. And you go up to the Stratosphere Tower. Oh. You know that? Yes. At the top of the stratosphere tower is something called the big shot. Yeah. <laughs> you get strapped in, right? You, st- <laughs> you pay your fee and you get strapped right. in. And somebody presses a button oh, and you go from 45 miles an hour and about 160 feet. <laughs> and when you hit the top of that, it's all over. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. Was- there was a couple of rides off the roof of the stratosphere that I just wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> Yeah. But getting shot up, you know, and there's no reference. You have no frame of reference. You know, like weightless for a moment up there. It's just, oh my God. that was it. No skydiving, nothing compared to that oh, moment. That was moment. the greatest rush? Yes. Mm. That's pretty wild. I mean, compared uh, to skydiving. River, river rafted in Iceland. Oh, really? I've ridden a, an Iceland horse. They're like ponies, but they're a special animal. Yeah. And I have snowmobiled on the biggest glacier in Europe, which is in Iceland. Yeah. Have you seen so um, the Northern Lights in Iceland? Yes. Yeah. And I, I um, do that. 
have a picture. The wall is filled with pictures, by the way. The whole apartment is filled with pictures. And one of them is like uh, sunset at 10.30 at night, you know. Yeah. The sun is just going down. Nice time. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Yes. Um, what were you? T- you were telling me a story about uh, almost driving right into the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, that was driving. No, was a, uh, um, boating. I was an ammunition <laughs> ship. <laughs> oh. I, so I went to the Navy. Um, I graduated from high school in 1944, okay. uh, two weeks after D-Day, the invasion of Europe. Right. right. So. I was 17 years old and went wow. to school uh, in Bainbridge, Maryland. And then one is treated like a piece of equipment. You get on a troop train, right? And you take this thing from Perryville, Maryland. You go into San Francisco. It's wartime. And the route is you wind up in Mexicali, Mexico. Right. And then you have to go all the way up to Frisco. Okay, so... I mean, Frisco, by the way, I almost got into serious trouble at the base there. Oh, really? And it, yeah, oh, Marines, Marines took me in. I told you a little bit about it, but this is on the base. And the Marines, well, what happened was a guy liked to call Cadence back in Maryland. Okay. He got into trouble. He was in a group in the brig, and they were marching past. So I thought I'd call Cadence for him. Well, the Marines who were guarding didn't like it. And so they got me. Everybody else ran as soon as the Marines stopped the rank, right? And I, But I did it, so I stood there. And the Marines said, get in line. So I went in line with the people who were in prison, right? Right. And they took me to headquarters, and I was waiting for the commander of the brig. And so there I was standing, just seven, 18, maybe, no, I'm... I probably was 18 by that point. And so here comes the commander, and uh, he says, uh, he finds out what the charge is and all of that. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Yonkers. He developed that he was from Westchester. He said, I get out of here. He said, you'll do more good out in the Pacific than you will here. So that's what I got. Okay, then again, a piece of equipment, piece of equipment, and your name is called, and you get on a troop ship. Okay. Right? It was a nice troop ship. And then we got to Honolulu, and we got transferred to a, a smelly ship. Okay, then you wind up in the Philippine Islands, right? Okay. And you're on the ship, and all of a sudden, your name is going. You wait around for days, and your name is going. Well, by the way, the troop train was an adventure. You can imagine hundreds of guys on this troop train. Yeah, I can imagine. across the country. Okay, so. How long um, did that take? Days? Um, yes, days. I don't recall how many, but it was days. And then your name is called, and holy mackerels, how lucky can you be? This is AK, AK-236, right? That's a, that's a cargo ship, right, which is so wonderful compared to being on a, a big one where all the formality happens, you know, okay. uniforms and all of that stuff. Oh, on this little, like Mr. Roberts, you know, right. is just much more mellow. So I was so thrilled about that. So uh, an LCVP comes alongside. That's a small landing craft. And you get in it, and he takes you to your ship, your new home, for 13 months. Oh, man. And you get aboard, and as you're passing the hold, right, <laughs> you look down, <laughs> and you see nothing but shells, right? <laughs> Shell, artillery shells and things like that. Oh, wow. What in the 
no, this is not supposed to be. Right. Because if an ammunition ship has a designation, and the designation would be E-236, okay. then I knew I would be going to an ammunition ship. But this was AK-236. This was simply auxiliary cargo. Well, it happened that they um, took 10 ships that were not ammunition ships and made them ammunition ships. Okay, oh, wow. so we're coming back from uh, the Pacific after the war. We're bringing ammunition back to the um, United States. And we're coming into the Golden Gate, right? Right. San Francisco Bay. And the wind and the currents, and we lost a little bit of uh, steerage. And we were actually going into the South Pylon. We were in a pylon, you know? Oh, my gosh. And then we gained it, and we didn't blow it up. Should have. <laughs> you managed Should've to avoid it. Adventures. Yeah. Well, it was a funny ship to be on because uh, every news we had would feature an ammunition ship blowing up, right? Oh, my yes. gosh. Well, luckily was, that didn't happen. You seem to have escaped death a few times. <laughs> yeah. You know, a hurricane, yes. I told you about the hur- three days of a Pacific hurricane oh, no. on this ship. Right? Oh, wow. Heading, heading east and... Uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. I can't tell you. The bow would go under, right? And I, I'd be on deck. People would be in their bunk. They wouldn't get out of the bunk, right? Oh, my God. And You'd just be riding it off, riding it, riding it? I would get by, yeah, I was having such, and the screw, the propeller would come out of the water, oh and the whole ship would vibrate, you know? It was just that wasn't a thrill. That just, oh, my God. I can't imagine how scary that must have been. And then there was a fire aboard. That was interesting. A fire aboard an ammunition ship. Try that for size. So I'm, I, you know, I've every everything after that has been gravy. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. just jumping out of airplanes. Yeah. You, you don't care. That's amazing. So yeah. you've just. Uh, it sounds like you've been a kind of an adrenaline junkie your whole life. I don't know. I really don't know. You wouldn't. Um, you wouldn't call yourself that. No, I wouldn't. I just did these things. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just wanted to. I, well, the big shot in Vegas. I didn't know how exciting that would be, <laughs> but I went. I, I went there to do that precisely. That yeah, you did. I went later. I went later. I've been there three times. The second time, I went to experience the heat. Right. <laughs> right. As they say is in the summer. You know, dry heat. <laughs> I think that's amusing. Dry heat. You could bake, right? Yes. You Luckily, can bake. there, twenty feet. There's a casino door, and you can right. air condition. Now they yeah. have those uh, misters. You know, they have things that just miss you as you walk by. Yeah, yeah. Which come in handy. And I, I also went to see uh, Cirque du Soleil there. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Speaking of Cirque du Soleil. I actually went to watch the Can Can at the Folies Berger in Paris. <laughs> oh, really? When was that? Oh, yeah. Paris six times. I don't know how many when that was. Oh, my gosh. You've traveled everywhere. Right. Yeah. You've traveled all well, over the world, it sounds like. Almost got to uh, Brunei, which is ne- by India. Right. But I discovered that I'd have to have shots. Oh, and yeah. decided not to. Then I discovered that I came back. I was a blood donor. And I came back from Roatan, that Honduran island, right? Right. And the man said, have you traveled outside of the United States? And I said, yes. 
He said, where? And I said, Roatan. He said, well, you can't get blood for another year. Oh, wow. So that had the same restrictions as Brunei, which I didn't do. Yeah. And so I had to wait another year. But the reason I didn't go to Brunei was because of the bottled water and all the worries about shots and things like that. But the same thing applied to Roatan, and I didn't know it. Oh. So you just went anyway. So you didn't get any shots before you went there? (laughs) No, no. I, I guess uh, it all worked out. Oh, I, I. One of the things was when we were bringing back ammunition, um, they didn't want us to go out empty, okay. and so they filled up the first two holes of my uh, my ship with beer, <laughs> <laughs> which we are to distribute along the islands as we go east, right? Oh, okay. So, Nobody, nobody is to go down into those holes. <laughs> if you can imagine that restriction, right? Yeah, after it was, 13 months, let's say. <laughs> it was beer all over the ship, under every bunk, right? In the laundry, <laughs> in the laundry, the, the tubs will be filled with ice and beer. <laughs> and I could picture if we had satellites at the time, the ship going across the Pacific Ocean, you know, weaving its way. <laughs> yeah, <It's> swerving. <laughs> That was a happy trip. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I can imagine. The hurricane, that was another thing. Oh, right. How much I enjoyed it, and I slept very well. Even though the gangway, which is, you know, you used to get down, yeah. was in, secured, it was ripped off. That's how violent that storm was. And it was about four feet from where I was sleeping, and I didn't wake up. Yeah. Oh, my mm. God. Well, well you, first you were out there in the middle of it, <laughs> and then you slept through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that sounds like such a scary experience. I uh, I actually one time sailed from uh, Puerto Rico to Norfolk, Virginia on a hundred foot yeah. schooner, and it was wow. about a ten day trip. And we wow. at, at one point uh, ran into like a crazy storm and saw some would look like tornadoes. What? I mean, they were just swirls on what? the water and things like that, and. They had, they had me like steering the boat in the middle of the, I mean, we were in the middle of the Atlantic ocean and I'm like, I'm in marketing. <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's exciting. That is exciting. I mean, it's yeah. pretty amazing. I can't imagine going through that for, you know, three days or more. And <laughs> but no, what you were on is very different from what I was on, you know, yeah. even though it put you in, uh, perspective you think this is a big thing you know when you get tossed about but in your case that was even something extra wow yeah it definitely puts stuff in perspective yeah to be on this little craft in the middle of a great big ocean with you know no no view of land for days at a time and it it yeah it really puts stuff into perspective about how tiny we really are i i like that i like that idea a lot yeah yeah, it, it's it's nice I, to I, get out and you know and and understand that perspective sometimes just to see you know how how big the world is and how mm-hmm. insignificant you are in it. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, true. Um, you're in marketing, huh? Is that what you? I was. I was for a long time. Wonderful, <laughs> but I like the idea of the sailing ship. I was on the Clearwater a couple of times. Pete Seeger's Clearwater? Oh, I don't know what that is. Pete Seeger's Clearwater? Oh. Pete Seeger, yes. Oh, Pete Seeger, yeah. 
and he had a, a what a yacht. Oh, he got very interested in the Hudson River, which he, he lived a beacon up the river, right? Right. Never heard. Oh, this is this is really phenomenal because um, he has since died. He was in, in his nineties. Okay. Um, but the river used to have sloops doing the trading, you know, uh, which is single-masted schooner, right? Right. And they would do all the transporting along the river. And he had he collected money from a lot of people. I contributed to it originally, and he had a replica of one of the sloops made, you know, the ships which were on the river. Right. It was called the Clearwater. And he actually raised um, attention for the condition of the river and improved the condition of the river enormously. You didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yes. No, I did not was, know that. Because he was maligned, you know, for his political views. Do you know that or not? No, I did not know that. Okay, he was um, uh, he was left. If not communist, he was left, right? Okay. But um, he got blacklisted. Even the stupid New Yorker magazine blacklisted his ads, if you can imagine that. Oh, wow. But that's in his autobiography, so it's not my a figment of my imagination. <laughs> right. Uh, you can't imagine that, but it was the New Yorker one thinks of as a liberal magazine. But right. Uh, even in Nyack... He would bring the ship down with pumpkins and sell pumpkins, you know, a pumpkin sale. And on one occasion, he wanted to hold a concert for fundraising for the ship, at Clearwater, yeah. at Nyack High School, right? Right. And the board would not say yes or no. Oh. They told it. it Consequently, I mean, essentially it was a no, yeah. right? So denied him the use of that. And so he moved over to East Ramapo and filled the concert hall, filled the auditorium, and it was a success. But the point is, I, he was just a, an American hero. And uh, now that he got respectability, right, and as a, an environmentalist, yeah. June, he, as I said, he established this um, Clearwater Festival, a revival, at, right. up in Croton, right? Oh. A big, it's a big deal. It's grown into a very big deal now. Okay. But he started it. And it amused me to see how proud the county executive would be to stand next to him on a, on a stage <laughs> where right. county would not say be near him, right? Right. It was a wonderful transformation. Mm. Oh, the irony. Um, well, I'm sorry to say that our hour is just about up here already. <laughs> it goes so fast. You start talking, and next thing you know, we're, we're done. All right, Audra.